0: Am I the only one not wearing a logo of, of any you kind? Know, You're Rob Pinkus.
1: You don't I need a logo. Know. Yeah. Oh, Rob, you don't need to announce who you are. Yeah, you everybody knows who, know who yeah, you, you know. are. I'll just
0: be here enjoying this monster energy drink. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Meet the pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Necro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts. Hello, and welcome to Meet the Pressers. I'm your host, Matt Mallory, and my esteemed colleague,
3: Clint Macro. And tonight, we have a few special guests. They were all involved in the Second Amendment rally in Washington, D.C. on November 2nd. Eric Blandford, Chris Cheng, Todd Fossey, Kevin Dixie, Diana Muller, and Rob Pincus.
4: This episode of Meet the Pressers is made possible with the generous support of TheLawOfSelfDefense.com Nikon Shooter Technology Group ASP Saber Red The Safer Faster Defense Responder 2.0 and Lee Armory. Thank you.
2: Patriots!
5: Patriots! <laughs> <laughs>
2: I guess we're talking to me. Huh? We are. So, Mr. Blanford, your call to arms, your Patriots, I, that was uh, really riveting and, and got everybody stirred up being the first first person right there. Some of the things that you brought up, um, comply, well, your shirt brought up, comply will not. I love that. Uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself, um, You know what uh, what you're up to and, and what you got out of the rally and, and what kind of momentum are you taking after the rally now from everything that you've seen and other people you listen to and your speech, obviously.
5: Sure, Matt. Uh, You know, the last thing we ever want to do is uh, milk the audience or patronize the audience. So I'll I'll keep this real brief. But, you know, we've been on YouTube now uh, going on about 13 years. And, you know, we just try to run a really fun gun channel doing our thing. Uh, We have our series Gun Gripes, which is now and it's uh, gosh, like God, I think 160 some odd episodes now. So we've been doing that for quite some time. And uh, we just really enjoy what we do. You know, we do everything, a full encompassing gun channel in terms of how we operate. Most folks probably know what we're about, you know, meltdowns, gunsmithing, reloading, gun reviews, gun gripes. You get you get the idea. Five guns, you know, we do just a wide variety of different things. to try to really make uh, firearms as a whole just appeal to a very wide audience and a wide demographic of people. That's very, very important for us, for folks to understand universally uh, just how important their rights are. Uh, You know, I I think it goes without saying that we're all here for a very similar purpose, and that is ultimately uh, the furthering of our rights and to really push everybody to be an ambassador uh, to these rights and to get them out to people and uh, and really discuss the importance of those rights with as many Many people as possible, because ultimately that's really how we're going to win this thing, right? It's by changing hearts and minds. See, Congress gets in session, and they want to grandstand and they want to push these laws forward, right? In the name of, oh, I have to get reelected. Well, mm-hmm. there's already gun laws on the books, right? Well, what do they do? Oh, well, we want to add gun more laws. and more. Yeah. And they just want to keep on adding. Okay, but the issue with that is that they don't really work hard enough for the right reasons, right? So if a person wants to get reelected, they feel like, oh, well, I have to do all of this and this and this to, you know, take care of my constituents, right? But that's a crappy approach because then you wind up with, I mean, what, between federal and state, there's how many gun laws are on the books? Like 2,200 gun laws, something like that. It's a lot of dang laws. We don't need all these freaking laws. The, criminals the answer aren't- is not to pass more laws. The answer is what laws work and which ones don't. We get rid of the crappy ones, which that leads me to what I'm going to get at here is that a lot of them are crap. They're (laughs)
2: ineffective. They don't work. Criminals don't abide by the law.
3: A lot of the laws that we have in place, the elected officials aren't holding themselves accountable and enforcing the laws that are in place. Therefore, a lot of criminals are able to continue to do what they do. So their answer, their knee jerk is to then just impose more laws and more restrictions on the law abiding citizen. As Matt said before, doesn't matter how many laws you have, that criminal is not going to follow the laws. It's only going to affect those people that use firearms for good and righteous purpose. And well, the, the law the
5: fiscally responsible approach would be to say, okay, this law is obviously not effective and it's obviously not being enforced. Well, then we need to it because it's fiscally irresponsible. It's costing the taxpayers money that they shouldn't have to spend. One, the taxpayers are spending money on a bogus law that shouldn't even have to be, you know, even there to begin with. And then two, you know, it's an infringement anyway. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be a more logical and weighted approach to how laws are passed and how they
2: remain in place. Good points, uh, Eric, and, and obviously the uh, comply will not is, uh, <laughs> is the mantra for us these days in order to get these politicians to, to pull their head out of their butts.
5: Well, mass non-compliance is how we got rid of prohibition. And yeah. I always keep saying it that the second amendment is the prohibition of our time. It is 100% yeah. through mass non-compliance, They'll have no choice, but to just simply, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're not, they're not going to enforce it because there's going to be so many people, just like with prohibition that we're making illegal liquor and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. People wanted to drink, they didn't want to have any of that bull crap. Sure, the feds went after a few people, but for the most part, it went away. And I think that's how the second amendment's gonna be. There's all these restrictions, but eventually, um, through mass noncompliance, it, it's just gonna you know that's kinda of, kind of how it is here.
2: Matter. It's kinda of how it is here in New York with the Safe Act. A lot of people are not not complying with it. The problem is is that you know the cops just ignore it unless something bad happens and then they get a little oh well, well I, I guess I have to enforce it. So it's kind of how it's it's been a lot in New York State so
5: correct and I, I see that totally as being uh I mean look at what Virginia is about to go through they're about to have potential confiscation shoved down their throats just mm-hmm. because a couple of big central areas of Democrats in the blue areas want to try to dictate how the rest of the state has to live get to decide oh well you know what these assault weapon things blah 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 they scare us we want to do away with them that's
2: not a good enough reason yeah, a lot of it's on emotion it's unfortunate but
3: well, Chris, you, you probably have some, some interesting insight being in probably the most populous state in the union out in California. Anything you'd like to comment on this particular conversation?
6: Well, you know, as uh, many people see what happens in California and actually will spread or right, other states are taking their cues right from California. Um, and, you know, for me, having grown up here, I've just always, you know, it's like when you're in a repressed state you just sort of don't know any different yeah. <laughs> until you until you go travel right out to other states that have uh you know less restrictive uh you know gun laws and um I, I guess you know the main thing for me is you know i think people often look at california and think okay i don't live there i'm safe i don't need to worry about what's happening in california uh, and i think that's 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 very false right with uh yeah. With, with with a lot of the anti-gun lobby, right, attacking right attacking our rights at the state level and the local level, everybody needs to be on guard. And uh, you know, one way I think that uh, local local you know local uh, governments can can fight back is this whole concept of Second Amendment sanctuaries. And uh, you know, that that's been I think a very clear message that local governments can send. Uh, not just to their local communities, but but nationwide, right? That, hey, like we are a Second Amendment city or a Second Amendment uh, county uh, sanctuary. And, and I think that's a very impactful way that uh, local citizens can make their voices heard. Yeah, I didn't
3: get a chance to introduce you proper. Chris, you're a top shot competitor. You're also, I want you to uh, touch on the task force for corporations. You and, and Diana are involved with that too, if you could do that at some point. Uh, I wanted to share with you real quickly a story that relates to you. Uh, I was <laughs> teaching uh, the the, uh, the NRA. Uh, um, I was on NRA headquarters teaching the uh, Practical Pistol Coach School uh, a couple uh, about two years ago. And Mike Green. I don't know if you guys know who Mike Green is from Green Ops. Uh, he's a, a trainer, an excellent instructor, an excellent educator, great shooter. But uh, I was talking about body's natural reaction, how we get into a you know lowered center of gravity, get into that defensive crouch, and he said. Toe, knee, chin. And, you know, meaning like, you know, knees over toes, uh, chin over. And and I heard your name is what I heard when he said, Oh, yeah, I know that guy. And he gave me this look like this guy's full of crap, man. So, <laughs> two, 20 minutes or so, he thought I was completely BS and, and no integrity whatsoever. And so yeah, I had it, I to talk to him about it and say, No, that's what I heard. And so, anyhow, that's you hilarious. were part of that story, even though you weren't part of that story.
6: Well, there you have it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, I lived in California for a number of years. I've, I've worked out in the film industry and the music industry out there, and I know exactly what you're talking about. When you're when you're immersed in that much tyranny, it's amazing what you come accustomed to. Oh, I got to do this check. I got to take this test, and then when you kind of get out of that, you kind of you you breathe a. a a little bit of freedom a little bit of liberty but people in these free states you know people say pennsylvania is a free state we've had our issues over the last two years for sure and it i think i think that that comfort level breeds complacency and complacency allows for tyranny so in those states that are quote free we need to be fighting harder and try to gain back some of the ground we've lost over the last hundred years so uh you know when folks are fighting in new york and in california against what seems to be insurmountable odds we in the quote free states whatever that really means <laughs> uh, we need we need to draw inspiration from that and fight just as hard here to try to take back that ground
4: hi i'm amy dillon i'm a us marine corps veteran firearms instructor writer and second amendment advocate and you're watching meet the pressers with Matt and Clint
1: meet the pressers
6: the new york times deal book article uh, literally uh, hot off the press, and Diana and I actually have uh, been exchanging some emails uh, back and forth uh, right before uh, this podcast. And I guess, you know, the uh, briefly, you know, the deal book uh, task force was trying to tackle this question of corporations and the Second Amendment and right, should corporations be involved at all? Um, you know, if they are involved, right, what is their place? Uh, and, and for me, I wanted to also talk about the impact. That corporations' involvement has on consumers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, f- for me, uh, I think the, the the quick points are, uh, um, you know, I know Diane and I were very honored to be invited and participate. Uh, we were in the lion's den. it was the two of us versus, you know, ten um, anti-gun either uh, executives, uh, politicians, and uh, other and anti-gun advocates. Um, you, know, my position is, I don't, I don't think com- you know companies should be involved in gun policies. Um, it, it gets very challenging when a corporation is trying to apply their their morals and their values uh, right on, on what their products are about. And right. uh, you know, for, for so Levi's was there, and you know they are uh, they've taken an anti-gun stance. And, you know, for me, I told them, hey, you know, I'm gay, and I'm a gun owner. And when I'm deciding, like, what pair of jeans to buy, I'm constantly having to run through, you know, run that purchase through my pro LGBT filter. And then this pro gun filter and with Levi's I like i them stuck, right. Cause they're yeah. pro LGBT, but anti-gun. And it's like, look, I just want to buy a pair of jeans. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want my, I don't want my fried chicken sandwich to have an opinion about gay rights. And I don't, I just don't, <laughs> I'm so exhausted, right. To have to be making these, these decisions based on whatever right criteria, um, and so, uh, I don't know, Diane. Do you want to? Do you want to chime in and uh, add anything to the our deal book experience?
7: Yeah, you know, on, based uh, going on what Chris was talking about, we tried to implore them that you know it's going to alienate your customer, half your customers, half your stockholders, half your employees. Mm-hmm. But they are dead set on. Um, I mean, even the New York Times. Uh, I'm going back and listening to my recording because uh, if you read it a little bit later, you're going to see where I said something about, we have to disarm America. Um, And I was like, that struck, I was there and that struck me wrong. So I'm going back to listen to make sure, because my point was, was that they are not, this isn't about red flag laws. This isn't about universal background checks. This isn't about anything except disarming America. And they're not going to stop until they do. So I'm trying to figure out how I said that, that they craftily made it sound like I was saying, um, you know, the shootings aren't going to stop until we disarm America, which is how it came across when I first read it. So, you know, we knew that we were going into the lion's den, like Trish said, and um, I'm glad we were there. I'm glad somebody was there because the conversation was very dominant, dominated by uh, the Parkland fathers and, uh, you know, your heart goes out to them, but, but, uh, it's hard, you know, it's hard to say, listen, you know, that doesn't make you an expert. Losing someone doesn't make you an expert in policy or gun rights right. or anything else where it seems like, um, nobody can check them. Um, because of their loss. And I want to give him a hug, but I just want to say, listen, what you're, what you are advocating, what you're begging companies to do, isn't going to solve the problem. I want to solve the problem. And we have ideas. The firearms industry does have programs. I figured out that Levi's was sitting next to the lady, an anti-gun lady that she's actually funding. And I'm thinking, you know, Maj Ture's out there. um, Kevin Dixie's out there. We're, on the front lines we are educating people and we are changing lives and they just don't get it they're just not in our circle they're not in our bubble they don't they just have such a, a visceral reaction we sat down at lunch we made it through this 90 minute roundtable task force discussion and then we sat down at the lunch table and had the most difficult conversation of all of this guy that just had a visceral reaction to our presence at the table and uh, just started peppering us with questions and things like that. So they're just, they just aren't around us. They don't know who we are. They don't understand and they don't have the opportunities and they are dead set on making it happen. If Congress isn't going to make it happen, businesses are going to make it happen. And we heard that time and time again, they are prepared to lose money for their stockholders in order to impose their will on the American public. We have a huge, huge fight. The way I feel like we can go forward is um, voting and running good candidates. If you can run for your school board and stop some of the madness that's going on in our schools and indoctrinating our kids, then do it but we can't sit back and wait for other people to do it. They are destroying our history. They're destroying our country and our constitution and, um, it, was that a little too much? No, like no, a, no.
2: <laughs> not at all. It's good. It's good. You're 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 spot you're spot on with that. I mean, we we dealt. You see that with Dick's uh, Sporting Goods and some of these other uh, the other companies, such uh, Walmart with their their stuff, and even Wegmans in, in this area where Wegmans was founded in Rochester, New York, uh, dealing with the same thing, where they they tell their patrons they don't want we don't want you coming here with a firearm at all. So stay away. So no, that's that's that's
7: well. It's on. not all. Can I add? one more thing when we were preparing for this one of the things that we discovered is that they're using the corp, the uh, shareholder resolutions basically investment companies or people are getting on the uh, boards and they're using shareholder resolutions to basically drive uh, and i'm going to say extort companies into doing what they want to do mm-hmm. so let's say let's say yeti has a relationship with NRA and they're like, oh, if you are anti-gun vi- if you're uh, against gun violence, then you shouldn't be having a relationship with the NRA. And if you don't break off your relationship with the NRA, then we're gonna make your life miserable through yeah. social media and, and ad campaigns. You know, I
6: thought it was so interesting that you know the anti-gun side I think is submitting I think upwards of what is it five hundred it was like five hundred resolutions I, a year compared to the twenty or thirty Right, that the pro-gun, um, you know, side is submitting. So, right, there well, was this
7: pro, pro-life, pro, any kind of conservative versus liberal. I think it was like twenty to thirty on the conservative side to three hundred to four hundred on the uh, on the liberal side. So, whatever it may be, it may not be guns. It might be pro-life. It might be um, it might be LGBTQ. It might be whatever environment, whatever their issue is uh, that day is what their their creating these proposals for so I mean that's something I hadn't even thought of I mean we we in the firearms industry are conservative by nature we're like you do you we do us everybody's gonna be happy and that is not the world we're living in we are so far behind the curve um, that it really concerns me. And I'm, I am i can gonna disagree with Eric that I, I don't think it's going to go away. I think that they are, they are steamrolling ahead and they're gaining popularity people, people that, you know, are on our side and don't necessarily want to see America disarmed. They're like, Oh, well, universal background checks are okay. And I'm like, that is the, that is it. If we get universal background checks and they get a registry, we are done. Yep. So yeah, we've got, you know, we have to, that's one of the things I talked about was we have to talk to our friends, our family, and our community about why we uh, we will not comply, about why, you know, constitutional, we the history, the why universal background checks are a problem. My red flag laws aren't going to work. If you don't want to just get railroaded, you're going to have to go do something.
3: Well, education is truly the answer to all problems. And by educating our fellow citizens on what's actually going on with these companies with these legislators, I think it will help them to become mobilized. But, you know, in regards to personal businesses, you know, I'm a personal property rights advocate, too. And I think the best way to deal with those folks and combat those folks is just to drive money up. You know, if they choose to promote something like that, then let's stop spending money at those places because the dollar talks. But we need to to motivate people and educate them as to what's going on with it.
7: It does. But when you're talking about, you know, banks and really affecting the, they are at such a different level than we well, are. It's not yeah. just about the.
3: That's that's different than Levi's. Um, you're absolutely right. I'll the,
7: project, the project choke point that uh, the Obama administration had. I mean, they're literally snuffing us out, mm-hmm. uh, making it difficult us to even do business, let alone have a choice on whether we go to business A or business B. Now, if they all get together in this deal book deal and they're all like, oh, we can do this and we can do it together, then where do we go shop? I mean, they've completely, it's like an oligarchy. It's not necessarily, I don't think it's American. I think it's i think it's a horrible idea. But anyway, there's my soapbox again. I'll get off.
2: Yeah. The, the credit card processing, that, that right there is tough as it is. I just had an account shut yeah. down just because I have an FFL, my own gun store, and I also have a training company and I'm using, I was using that company to process, uh, training signups, registrations. And just because I also do guns, they, they cut me off. I'm like, but I'm not selling guns or ammo or or weapons or anything through your system. It doesn't matter. You're associated and and we have a policy. I'm like, well, I'm I'm selling
3: products and services that relate directly to a constitutionally guaranteed right. We're in. You Bizarro land, man. Yeah, we are. That's, that's, are. yeah, you're right. I, I, I see Good's that. It's called
2: evil and evil's called good, right? Exactly. Kevin Dixie, make us uncomfortable, my friend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I don't, I think that everything that was, uh, that was said is, is spot on, man. I don't, I mean, I don't really think I can say anything to the people that are on the panel to make them uncomfortable. I think we all recognize the truth. Um, to, to the audience listening, I think that you should take heed to everything that was just said. Um, and, and to add on to that, I think one thing that needs to be brought in better into the spotlight is I, I tell people through my, my mentorship. So I got started with firearms because I'm a civil rights advocate and a human rights advocate. I started doing that when I was 14 years old. Um, and that led me when I took a job at the St. Louis City Police Department and our Prisoner Processing Division that introduced me to firearms in the proper manner. And once I, um, once I got introduced to firearms and kind of fell in love with the gun, I started realizing how guns actually played into the work I have been doing since I was a kid. And and how those two things actually coincided and the risk of gun control and uh, tied it to history. And thus, I'd like to come out and point different things out how historically uh, guns were always uh, controlled because they were really about controlling and um, dehumanizing and brutalizing people. So uh, to bring my aspect and a different side to the conversation that um, I can't lie when I first really started talking to the 2A community, It was not a subject that was being brought up in a proper manner. Uh, It just wasn't, it was kind of glazed over. Uh, But one thing that I've always told people since I was mentoring them is that, you know, every time you, you leave your home, you represent multiple things, you know, multiple communities and multiple things that you do. And as not only as a, you know, a parent or aunt or uncle or, you know, a business owner, whatever you are, if you are into firearms, if you carry a gun, even if you don't consider yourself an advocate, you are. And so you need to make sure that everything that you do is up to par and even above level. Right. So I think a lot of times we we get the bad end of the stick when you're sitting around having conversations with the Levi's of the world um, and people like that. When the reference point of the person at sometimes and obviously in uh, Chris and Diana's case, it wasn't they weren't in the room. But when you get individuals in the room that are very, very, um, let's just say um, aggressive, but aggressive down the wrong path that are you know, just representing wrong, whether you're really, really prone to violence or you threaten violence all the time. All right, you gotta be careful with that. Or you're just not being a good representative of who you are. It's it's no different than someone who carries a gun um, doing something like being a child molester. Then we immediately need to oust them out the community, which is a real story of something that just happened not too long ago, right? And thus that person was ousted out the community. That's the kind of level we need to hold people to. Uh, Now on top of that, when it comes to voting, the thing that I always advise uh, people to do is look I'm I'm in one of the communities that represents roughly if you combine the minorities roughly about 15, 16 to 17 percent depending on what stat sheet you look at of this country and there's always a vote that's heavily sought after and another thing I want to advise the second amendment community to do is when you're having conversations please do yourself a favor do not talk politics talk policy okay um if if I'm going to be around to help, I'm going to say things and sometimes people are going to feel stupid. Well, that's because you are. So you you can't walk up to someone and introduce a conversation that's already so polarizing. And the first thing you do is say to them, well, you're democratic masters. Because you know what happens? People in urban communities are born democratic. They don't even realize it, right? And so they will defend what they don't know about just because they're used to it, yeah. just because they're used to it. So if you open up the conversation like that, then immediately it becomes it's closed. Well, done, whatever, whatever you say after you say that is done. But if you just simply talk about the policy and talk about some of the effects and talk about some of the dangers and then tell people, yeah, and the people that are promoting that are the people you're voting for, you still don't have to say party. All right. And that will allow people to absorb even me. I don't walk up to people and say, hey, even if you look them down my social media, I don't I, 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 I hashtag I don't do politics. Right. I just do policy because what I've realized is that when you're talking to people and you're really educating them and you're not allowing them to be defensive, they have to own what they heard. They have to own that truth. They can't play anything up say, well, you know what, you're, you're a bias or you're racist because you're white and you said it or whatever Whatever they're going to use as a right. facade to be defensive. So we have to make sure that we're approaching conversations in that manner. Another thing that we need to do collectively is that we have to get out of our own little bubbles. Um, and I'm, I'm happy over the last six months or so to see people that were um, that are really, really popular or really, really successful in certain genres uh, do different things. I was at Amcom. In Chicago last year, and, and this guy said something to me that it, it, it really peed me off. And he was a, a YouTuber. That's what he categorized himself as. And he had roughly a half a million followers on YouTube. And he stood up and he was giving a presentation. And he said in the presentation when he got to guns and gun control, he said, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really not my job to speak on the issues. And I was like, no, nah, son, you got a half a million people. It is absolutely your job to speak on the issues and or use your platform and allow people that do speak on the issues to come on there and talk to your half a million people uh, if you feel uncomfortable saying certain things. And, and, and he was just like, well, I, I don't want to do it. Wow. So how many of hims are out there that have a half a million people at their disposal and won't use their platform to educate people and won't allow their platform to be used to allow different voices to come on and talk? The reason why I can go into rooms and I'm not met with a ton of hostility is because I am smart enough to know they weaponize lies. I just weaponize the truth. As soon as you stand up to me and you start using like these um, these false emotions or how you feel and blah 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 blah, and you get to yelling, I'm like, all right, if we're gonna if we're gonna be you know strategic about this, all right, cool. Tell tell the black dude again how the police are out slaughtering people in this community and he should be unarmed. Repeat, rinse and repeat. Do it again, right? So. When, when you start making people actually have to swallow their own BS, when you actually do weaponize the truth and use it strategically, you will find that you will shut people down because they don't know how to respond. Right. Speaking of that, we all need to make sure that we are plugging people in the right areas for the right conversation. If somebody starts to tell me about the harassment that the LGBTQ community is going through, sure, I'll speak up because they're human. I'll say, well, that's unfair. You know, tell me more. Tell me about the experiences. But if they get to telling me, well, this is what you need to know. I'm like, up, uh, Chris, I need help, right? <laughs> hey, because they hey, come help me, right? If they start talking about women, I'm going to be like, Diana, I need some help because this is not my area of expertise. Right. For so long, we've only thought that certain voices own freedom. Freedom is everybody's. Yes, yeah, right. We need to make sure that when we're we're going against certain opposition, I would say, that we are making those right phone calls. One great thing that the 2A rally did um, is that if you didn't know, now you're introduced to, what, 29 other speakers besides yourself? Or even if you were in the audience, you got to see 30 speakers. Well, now you kind of know where people are coming from and you know their perspectives. That should be your network now. Like, hey, there's an enemy over here that is doing this. Oh, they're in in an urban environment. Maj, KD, help, right? Like whatever the case is, when we're communicating and we're talking to individuals and we're engaging them in these really, really harsh conversations, do yourself a favor, find common ground before you start debating. And find common ground. Yep. Like if you're talking to a father about lawn care, you'll be surprised how easy the conversation becomes <laughs> after
7: that, right?
1: Just because you guys are talking about what theater you use to, you know, roll across the lawn. Like find other ways to connect with people. Normally, I don't go up and engage right away. I, I'm really, because of the work that I do, I'm normally talking about people's kids, dads back into the homes, how to keep people from being violent. And what happens is people develop a sense of trust with me. Right. So when the gun conversation comes up, it's like, you carry a gun? Well, yeah. Well, you've been around, I, I, I didn't know that. Well, well, of course you didn't because it, we weren't ready to talk about that. But now <laughs> yeah. that you're ready to talk about it, they're like, well, okay, cool. Well, now I'm ready. I, I really want to explore this thing. Can you link me to a trainer? I'm like, aha, I absolutely can. I'm a trainer as well. So Here's my we, card. Yeah, we have to <laughs> we have to become inter interwoven into the fabric of America, not just standing out yelling the Americans. Sure. We have to become part of the inner fabric. And once you do that, you'll start to see that the conversations become easier. Uh they become they become easier to have. And if we stick to the facts and you can be emotional, it's hard not to get emotional when somebody's trying to, you know, deprive you of your freedoms. So it's really sure. hard not to. But if you can contain that a little bit and just really, really make people focus on the facts, the factual things that have occurred and direct them and pivot them to other individuals that are delivering messages in a different way, I think we'll gain some leeway.
3: I think that's great advice, especially when talking to our fellow fellow citizens. I will say though, working now more with actual legislators and elected officials, you can't avoid the politics. So that, that's a whole other animal. But when you're talking to fellow citizens, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, those those shut the door kind of statements like I understand what cold, dead hands meant, you know, that I understand the sentiment behind that. But that shuts off conversation. There's nowhere to go from a statement
1: like that. Yeah.
3: So uh, finding that common ground is smart. Absolutely. Hey,
1: everybody. It's Alessandro Padovani from Safer Pasta Defense. And I'm watching Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Meet the Pressers. When you when you look at just talking to people like I did at the rally, when I asked all those great human beings there nope. to give me everything they got. When I said 1776, you all heard the response. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was overwhelming. Odd.
1: Right. I even had them give it to me again and then made them tie in their lineage. Hey, who had people that served? Who respects those individuals? We had 100 percent response rating to that. Right. But America has been so trained to tell people that look like me or any other minority when we bring up our past that we're claiming victimhood. Well, you can't say that your past is respected in 1776 and then say when I say 1921 and you're silent, you don't want to respect mine. Now, that crowd wasn't the problem, but that's a learning opportunity. So no matter which way you're communicating, if I yell 1776 and you give a thunderous applause and then I yell one of the the dates to one of the largest massacres in modern American history to people that that happen to people that look like me and you, you have nothing. Cool. That's an educational moment. I'm all for that. But when you make statements that are still being made, even in the second community a lot, well, oh, just get over it and stop being a victim. Well, get your ass over 1776 then. Stop being a victim if that's the case, because we have to be able to have an even conversation on even ground. And that's the message I'm trying to convey to people. Stop bringing in your bias. Talk about your human rights. And I'm telling you, you'll get along. You'll get a long way with that. Well said, Katie. Well said.
8: Todd, you've been shaking your head like you've been wanting to jump in here. What do you got for us? (laughs) These guys are stealing all my thunder, man. (laughs) They're taking all my talking points. There isn't too much left for me to talk about. What what am I going to say? I'll I'll keep it fairly brief. I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of what Kevin was talking about. You guys know that my background is psychology, right? To me, this is all about what is rational and what is irrational. You know what I'm saying? To me, like I always think of, I always look at things through the lens of psychology, right? Most everything through the lens of psychology, and it's, it's this is this is not a rational conversation to even have. It's 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 the opposition's point of view is full-blown anthropomorphic. You guys under, you guys know what that means? Anthropomorphism is a nope. actual psychological designation where people assign human characteristics to inanimate objects and animals. Inanimate objects, the firearms, they are not sentient. They, are, they don't have a consciousness. So to blame or to, uh, you know, assign some type of, I don't know, malintent to something that is an inanimate object, totally and absolutely, it drives me crazy. How, how is this even rational? I'll let people know, look, you're welcome to feel a certain way as long as you acknowledge that your feeling is not a fact. It's, it's, I don't even like I, I, you guys, maybe you've seen some of the videos that have been put out where I've been interviewed by like, uh, uh news crews and I said, I don't even know why we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not blaming, you you're not trying to regulate spoons for, uh, for obesity, right? You know, you're not trying to, you know, you want to talk about, uh, you know, high capacity magazines or you, do you want to buy a car that won't go over the speed limit? Why do you want to have a car that won't go over the speed limit? In case you need to have, in case you're faced with a situation where you need to go faster than the speed limit. Like it's just, to me, it's just so unbelievably obvious, you know? And and, uh, so when they're ready to have an argument, I'll say, look, I'm not going to force you to own a firearm. I'm not going to force you to carry a firearm. Don't force me not to. You guys want to talk, you guys want to talk about, are you, right, are you, are you a freedom advocate? Well, anything that is compulsory and mandatory flies in the face of freedom. You can't have it both ways. What, what do you, like, you know, so I just, like, to me, it's like, as long as you're willing to admit, as long as someone's willing to admit that they are suffering from a, a technical psychological designation, you know, then then there's no point in even having a conversation. It's like, it's like having a conversation with someone who's totally, completely irrational. You can't, you can't have a rational conversation with what is irrational. You yeah. know, people, and we're talking about, we. everyone's been talking about these knee-jerk reactions. And what happens with the knee-jerk reaction is that people experience a neurological hijacking. And then we get into all of the cognitive biases, right? certainty bias right confirmation bias they, and then we get into the whole thing I'm so glad that Kevin said let's not talk about politics because you know now we've got an in-group bias where people are going to st- if this is my story and I'm sticking to it this is my team's position regardless of whatever is rational and irrational and we're not even talking about the data my god if you want to talk about data and statistics I always tell people who are particularly uh, uh, who are, who are what I'll just call them objective. I don't even call it the Republican or Democratic Party or liberal or conservatives. I say, right now, I think I, I said this to Diana when we, were, when we were talking after the rally, I said, I said uh, I, for me right now, it's really about, there's a, rash, there's a group of people that are making their decisions based on obje- uh, moral objectivism, right? And there's a group of people that are making their decisions based on moral subjectivism, who just want to make up reality. And I'm not willing to just give up my, you know, my, my sanity in order to, you know, in order to have a conversation with somebody. I just, I just won't have it. If they want to, I'll wait for them to engage me. If they want to engage me, then, then what I'll tell people is arm yourself with statistics. Arm yourself with facts. And if you want to come to me with a real, true, objective argument, I'm more than have, willing to have that debate or conversation with you. I'm not here to change your mind, however. I want to let people know that I am not here to change your mind. If, if you don't want to own a firearm, if you don't want to carry a farm, then you should have every right not to. But guess what? If I want to own a firearm and if I want to carry right. a farm, far, then I should have every right to, right? Very true. We can't, you can't, you can't have it both ways.
2: I always say to, I always say in my class and my students that uh, they're, they're an inanimate object. They're a tool, just like a lot of our politicians.
1: Need a transcript of what Todd just said because I got to decipher some of these big ass words. <laughs> It'll be recorded. You can watch it on Friday. <laughs> we, we, should, we should put
3: a glossary on the website. We should. I'm
2: like, he's like, do you know what this is? I'm like, no clue. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I, I want to go with the next and, and do a chant here. I will
8: not comply. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was uh that was a good speech there diana i like to tell you you got the crowd riled up
7: well you know we we tried to have a rally on the dc project uh and i know how conservatives can be so i asked rob if i could go uh, uh if i could go towards the front and make sure i gave him the rules so i gave them permission to be outside their comfort zone
2: that's good. That's uh, you know. That, that's you have to have that because I I always make this mentality of if you're at church or you're at a game, what are you doing? Screaming, yelling, letting it all out. But when you get to a rally or you talk about your yeah. Second Amendment rights, it's kind of just like, well, yeah, uh, they're bad. Those politicians. The, right. Exactly. Like you said, that 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 was yeah. like, yeah.
8: yeah, it's a rally.
2: Rally. Exactly. But but you gotta prime the pump a little. Yeah, yeah. You got you gotta prime the pump a little,
7: right? But you know, I was super impressed with the turnout. I thought that the organizers, uh kudos to uh Rob and Jeff and whoever else was behind the scenes making that happen because I know how difficult it was I was so happy to show up and just do what he told me to <laughs> <laughs> So uh I just thought it went <laughs> so well I I was honestly coming I was honestly coming in there thinking that you know something bad could really happen and some yahoo's could come in here and be armed and literally I feel like I could be yeah. I I was ready to be a martyr. I was like, if that's what happens that day, that's fine. Um, but the exact opposite happened. There was zero drama. I think there was some, one little heckler. And, um, I was just thrilled, uh, with the way the, that it turned out. And I hope, I hope, I hope that we can, uh, make that grow. And, uh, maybe Rob can speak to speak to, uh, next year.
3: Yeah, Rob, that's a great, great transition. You've been extremely disciplined and quiet. Anytime I work with you, sometimes you you like to jump in. And it's it's been interesting to have you sit here and watch. Uh, everyone that's watching the show, Rob is, if not the mastermind, one of the masterminds behind the 2A rally. And I really thank you for putting that together and organizing it and motivating all of us to get involved. I didn't make it down there to Washington that day. And if we do another one, you're damn right, I'll be there. But I did get to give my kid his hunter safety course on the same day so that was kind of a special thing for me but but Rob uh tell us about what's what are your views on what happened did it was did it exceed your expectations and are you looking to uh with the people that uh, organized it looking to do another one next year what's what's coming up in the future
0: uh well I, I appreciate the uh the appreciation that the community and obviously everybody here but also the community is Given everybody that was involved, and obviously there were a lot of people involved. Um, Jeff and I were out in front, but as I've said, it really came down to the speakers and all of those who jumped in early on the idea, including you. But like you knew you couldn't make it, but you still did a promo video. And you still promoted it around Pennsylvania it locally, and obviously got on the internet, and promoted it nationally. It was about people buying into that idea, and the idea has really been touched on by several of, our, of the guests that we have here tonight. I mean, I mean, right? Look at it. We got. Uh, like like the everyman veteran successful entrepreneur lives out in the sticks, right? We've got an urban civil rights fighter who's worked for the government, but obviously is a pro gun guy trying to educate people in general. Diana, retired police officer, world class athlete, now she's become you know a national scene advocate for gun rights. I mean, she's in D.C., she's in New York, she's all over the place. Todd, with his you know, he's obviously an incredibly educated academic, um, gotten very passionate about educating people in general and sharing these ideas and these concepts and helping people understand where some of this stuff comes from. And then, obviously, Chris, another world-class athlete who's proven himself, but definitely lives outside of the gun community. You know, giant brain, successful tech guy, lives in an incredibly liberal part of the country, in an incredibly, incredibly liberal part of the country in an incredibly liberal part of california too so it, it's really an amazing collection of people and this is just the sample right so this is the sample of the 30 people we had involved that to me is what the rally w- was uh, about in a lot of ways and, and i i dismiss unity i dismiss um uniform-ism inside of the gun community it's a hundred million americans and what we didn't have that that day was uniformity what we had was a coalition and I think that's really important to understand. And and, and Kevin made a comment earlier about, you know, um, we, we be part of the fabric of American society or become part of the fabric. We are the part of the fabric of American society. If you look across the board, there are gun, pro-gun advocates, pro-freedom advocates, pro-rights advocates that come from all across the spectrum. But, and this has been hit on by several people, our nature is not to stand around, you know, kumbayaing. Our nature is not to tell other people what to do. Our nature, you know, as you alluded to, Clint, very specifically, being a, a pro-rights, pro-private property person, right? I, I, You look at what happened in New York last week. I'm all for those organizations and those companies running their companies the way they want to. And the, the point that as shareholders or as interested potential customers, we don't organize and try to influence them into having to sort of bend to the will of the people Right. That's a problem. I like Mm -hmm. Chris's approach, right? I want to buy a pair of jeans, I buy a pair of jeans. I'm not worried about their politics and I'm not going to let them think I am. I think that's part of the problem is we as a culture are starting, we're like telling McDonald's that we care how they vote, right? We don't, I mean, that, right? The whole thing with like sports and athletes, do we care about the athlete's politics? I care about how well they play the game I want to watch. Do I care about the the actor's politics. Now I care about the movie and the kind of movie and how well they act out the character. But we allow that in. What I fear is this. We are super excited every time we get an athlete that's on our side. We're super excited when we get an actor that's on our side. We are super excited whenever we get a corporation that's on our side. right? right? And that goes back to a lot of the big brain stuff that Todd was just talking about. We need to be more disciplined. We need to tell them also we don't care. Because if we're going to be honest and say we don't care about Levi's, we care yeah. about your jeans, man. Make jeans that make me look good or fit me comfortably <laughs> or a durable or a price right. I don't care about your politics. Then I also have to not care about five eleven's politics when I think about buying their jeans. I have to care about the durability, the fit, the fashion, whatever it is right. I'm looking for. And that takes an incredible amount of discipline mm. and uh, you know, kind of full circle back to the rally. What I asked from the speakers and, and everybody we we sent out speaker guidelines and we said, look. We don't want to hear about your issues with immigration. We don't want to hear about your preference of, you know, which chicken flavor you like. We don't want to hear about, you know, Democrats, Republicans. We don't want to hear you using the word liberal as a pejorative. We want to hear you talk about gun rights and be positive and have a message of inclusion and a message that is very specifically focused on firearms, Second Amendment, gun rights, gun freedoms, and whether you want to celebrate them, you want to defend them, you want to talk about regaining lost rights. You know have your five minutes and everybody's got their own perspective, but what's incredibly important is that we stay focused that's the only way we can represent a hundred million American gun owners. So I'll end with the answer to your question. I was incredibly pleased. Um, it went far better than than I could have expected. Uh, I'm not really like a hope kind of guy, right? I, I, it's a contingency plan like well as Diana said, we could have this, we could have that, we could have the other thing. What we ended up with was great weather. Uh, an amazing turnout with great uh, participants great attendees and the speakers all delivered so you know thank you to everyone who believed in the idea and everyone who helped deliver on the idea uh, because that's that we had an amazing
2: day in- and just closing that out too with uh, with that, Rob. you've taken some flack. I've seen it on on Facebook bringing this collective minds and everybody in different different areas of everything about the sec coming in to, to meet about the second amendment and, and I challenge all of us to to stay strong with that you know i mean I've made, I've made some new friends, uh, Kevin, and we, we, t- we were talking law enforcement at the at the rally and and, and like you said conversation right i came up and that's what i hit it off with oh you're in law enforcement and we hit it off on on that a little bit to to to, for the icebreaker and stuff so you know we we just gotta we gotta do that we we've gotta to look past our differences like that and we're coming together for a collective good which is the second amendment so we can defend ourselves against the uh tyrannical governments and obviously bad guys that want to do us harm
0: so yeah i i honestly like celebrate the differences celebrate the Mm -hmm. problem I, i if we can't, there was a great thing that was floating around. I, I grabbed it. I put it up on the rally page. I put it up on my page. I grabbed it from uh, one of the the uh, women's firearms academy. Uh, put it up. This idea of you know, I don't I don't want to be included because of who I exclude. So in other words, I don't want mm-hmm. someone to hang out with me seen. just because I said, well, I don't I don't like that group, and because I don't like that group, then you'll be my friend. Yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't matter whether or not I like that group. We need to figure out where we have this kind yeah. of a lot common ground. Yep. Talk about that, and and almost celebrate those differences, right? I, I don't need to eat the same kind of fast food. I don't need to watch the same kind of sports. I don't need to watch the same kind of movies. I don't need to wear the same kind of clothes. Live in the same kind of places. I just need to agree with you that the Second Amendment protects our individual right to keep and bear arms, and that is in order to defend ourselves and our countrymen and those we care about. And if we can agree on that, let's move forward. Let's not worry about the distractions because there are a lot of distractions out there.
1: Right. I think that not only was the 2A rally great and well organized, and I'm so glad I'm with Diane. I'm glad all I had to do was show up and talk uh, Mm. because the plan of that had to be ridiculous. Um, But not only was it a great event, and I think that it did overwhelmingly well, I would like to point out too that when I said Uh, earlier that we're all a representation of various things when we leave our home every day, I think I would like to compliment everybody on the way that they represented the 2A community that day. Um, the conversations, I know me and Eric talked for probably a couple hours, um, while we were at the rally, uh, you know, and you got a, you know, that's just another time you got a guy from the, from the, the urban environment talking to a guy with the sticks and we sat and talked for a couple hours. He was even nice enough to treat me to breakfast. Thanks again for that, by the way. Um, and it was just, it was just good. You know, no Todd, you weren't welcome. Um, (laughs) one day of rob pinkers is enough for the weekend man <laughs> 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 it's but it's great like I've, I've sat and almost uh everybody outside of clint which we'll fix i've sat and you know had a conversation with diana came right over with me and a bunch of uh um, Uh, urban advocates from D.C., and she jumped right in the photo. Matter of fact, I think you instigated the photo. Like, let's take a photo, you know? And that kind of stuff, Mm. from from seeing that kind of imagery, it lets America know, despite what other issues you might be bickering about, to Rob's point, Mm. that that day, collectively, different people from different outlooks and different appearances and different mindsets Mm. all came together. So I would like to say, even from me and Todd met a couple of years ago at SHOT Show and we're talking, you know, clearly, Matt, me and you had a conversation. Um, Chris, Chris was in town in St. Louis. Not only have we talked, we, we sat and had cigars together and he paid yes. for that too. I'm, I'm liking this. I'm going <laughs> to have to keep it all around. I'm just saying.
6: But- Everyone's going to now want cigarettes and booze for me. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's great because I will tell you guys this coming and I'm pretty sure you guys have similar stories, but it helps me whether you realize it or not. And I want you guys to know this. It helps me when I'm able to have those kind of conversations and show people that they've happened because you have no idea the amount of people that look at that as a token of faith to say, okay, now I can go have that conversation.
6: Yeah, mm-hmm. right? It looks
1: really good when they see that, when they can Amen. see the diversity, because it breaks up the, you know, every other news story is a racial, hate people type of thing. Yeah. But when they can see somebody that they trust interacting in that way, you guys have no idea how much work that does behind mm-hmm. the scenes. So thank you all for your, your openness and thank you all for your contributions
6: the second amendment rally was, was awesome. And, uh, I just want to encourage listeners to uh, keep an eye out for the 2020 rally date and, you know, put it on your calendars. And, you know, um, we all made sacrifices, right? There was a lot of comments, about, like, Oh, you know, that's the same. It's the opening, you know, deer hunting, you know, this season. (laughs) Then they all have this excuse, that excuse, like, look, like I get it. We're all busy. It's expensive, right. To, to travel, but this is about our freedom. Right, this is about our Second Amendment rights. We're gonna we have to make sacrifices if we are willing to, uh, or if we want to defend our freedom. Right, we have to make sacrifices. So, uh, you know, save the date once the 2020 uh, data set, and uh, yeah, I just you know I hope to see uh, you know twice, at least twice as many people, if not you know five times as many people in 2020 as we did uh, you know a few weeks ago.
5: There are uncomfortable truths that we're gonna have to basically deal with moving forward. Right, so KD's all about truth. Right. Sometimes those truths are uncomfortable and they should be uncomfortable because your perspective should constantly be challenged, right? That's what makes humans such interesting creatures is that we're always curious and we want to always know other perspectives. So perspective is a really important part of this. And like Diana said, we are gonna be forced to step out of our comfort zone moving forward. And I think that's very important. Stepping out of your comfort zone forces you to be the better person in the conversation because you're always gonna have to look at the facts of this thing and remove emotion from the landscape. Now to piggyback off Todd, okay, I think that we can all agree that the anti-gun mentality tends to be a combination of three different things. You're either ignorant, evil, or insane or all three. Okay, ignorance is something we can cure, right? If someone just simply doesn't have the facts, we can give them the facts. Now, if they choose to remain ignorant, then maybe they're just evil enough to wanna take your guns and they don't care, or they're insane enough to not look at the facts and not see the truth for what it really is, right? So I don't think anyone would ever say that, oh, well, just because someone supports gun control that they're, they're evil or they're insane, I'm going to pretty much disclude those two with a pretty strong margin, right? I think it's just safe to say that a lot of these things we deal with are literally just people being ignorant. To change hearts and minds, you have to have good facts. You have to have meaningful conversations with people. So I think that, you know, things like this are a great uh, springboard for those conversations to occur at many different levels.
8: Is, this, muted. Kind of <laughs> Is this
2: He boss? Hi, how are you?
8: Daddy's back on the show. <laughs> Hi. I've got something that I'd like to add. Shoot, Todd. Uh, the firearms community in general tends to be, um, you know, we, we don't tend to be timid people, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
8: And, and, uh, so we have a we have a tendency to want to cut each other down we tend to be competitive people that want to cut each other down and I'd like to see yeah. that stop I agree you no know? um, I like to I'd like to see that stop within the community I'd like to see us I'd like to see us stick together a little bit better um, you know there's there's always going to be jerks out there let them be jerks on their own time you know um, and, and so you know, support one another and stand firm and stand strong. You know, in, in in your commission, you know, this is in your blood. It's in your DNA to to watch over the flock and to defend others. Um, so be confident with 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 what your purpose is here. Um, and I, along those same lines, I'd like to encourage you know you all to um, post on social media, post your training. You know, encourage people to get out and get and start training, and get educated, and that will give other. People permission to do the same, Uh, and same with organizations, churches, places of worship, uh, organizations, businesses. You know, I'm going to encourage you for those of you that are on the fence. um, You know, arm your arm your faculty, clergy, and and staff, arm them and train them on an ongoing basis, and then use the influence that you have through the press and through the social media to let let the world know that we're we're not going to stand by and take this anymore. There's no more soft targets right and uh by doing so we will give others permission to do the same you know and and, uh, we'll start that we'll start that ripple effect that there are good rational people out there that are going to do this the right way for the right reasons and so i I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show with all of you guys i'm flattered flattered and honored to be here
3: we're proud proud to have you with us i'm a better man from having talked to you and discussed things with you and i look forward to training with you too So one last thing that I would like to cover real quickly, we're doing a national train of teacher day again, our third annual in 2020 co-administrator of that with Grant Gallagher. And and not that I have enough to do already, Matt and I talked about something that's very near and dear to both of us. Uh, One of my missions with uh, Allegheny County Sportsman's Leagues and firearms owners against crime in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, part of our our mission is to educate elected officials. And uh, we were talking about that at great length actually a couple months ago, and Matt started putting together something that uh, Meet the Pressers is going to promote. And Matt, I'd like to give you the opportunity to talk about it because it was actually initially your brainchild.
2: Yeah, so so in June, I met with a bunch of politicians about six or seven different political offices in Albany, New York, uh, regarding a bunch of gun laws that they're trying to pass or bills that they're trying to turn into law. And uh, I just, on the way home, I got thinking to myself because some of the conversations I had were very they're uneducated they didn't know about guns a lot a lot of us have alluded to that so uh, one of the politicians actually said well you know you should come up and take a bunch of us to the range and I'm like that's a great idea so on the way home I thought why don't we make a national initiative national educated politician initiative so Niappi.org. and uh, why don't we try to get other instructors around the country on a local level because I know DC projects more on the the, the federal level, on a local level, get us to, as instructors, to take politicians to the range and, and talk to them and educate them. And it just even further solidified when I had breakfast with a sheriff who, uh, in the conversation, called a Armalite rifle an assault rifle. And I had to educate him. in 22 years it, as a sheriff, deputy sheriff, and now as a sheriff of a county uh, adjacent to mine, uh, didn't even know what AR stood for and I educated him and "Ah, I didn't know that is what he said so uh, that kind of just made me realize that we can do more and I think we all are but uh, our listeners out there need to do that as well whether they're instructors or just constituents within a within a, a county or a city or whatnot.
3: So we're going to encourage instructors to seek out elected officials and and encourage elected officials to seek out instructors to get that knowledge. To Eric's point, if they're ignorant and they don't know about firearms, which many of them will flat out say, I don't know anything about guns. Well, let's give them an opportunity to be educated. And that will sift out the ones that have tyrannical intent or the ones that just need to get some information and be better informed. So, uh, we're going to have the website up soon. Uh, it's not going to be one of those things where people have to register, but we're going to come up with some talking points, uh, what our mission statement is. And if someone wants to uh, seek people out under the name of the initiative, well then they're going to have to kind of agree to uh, the mission. And, uh, we're going to uh, set up a Facebook group where people can share ideas. What was successful, perhaps what maybe didn't work that they can try here, here or there, uh, you know, uh, making sure people understand to also approach the staff, not just the elected official, but the people that work in their
1: office as well.
7: Hi, I'm Kelly from Armed and Feminine, and you're watching Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro.
1: Meet the Pressers.
2: We have a lot of sponsors that made this show possible. Make sure you check them out and give them your business.
4: This episode of Meet the Pressers is made possible with the generous support of the law of TheLawOfSelfDefense.com, Nikon, Shooter Technology Group, ASP, Saber Red, The Safer Faster Defense Responder 2.0, and Lee Armory. Thank you.
3: Well, the bottom line is we are all Americans and we love liberty and we cherish the rights that are <laughs> guaranteed to us by the Constitution Bill of Rights. And, and that's that's it. And and all those other little dividing things is, that we all talked about, that it, it doesn't matter.
2: We thank you for coming on and we definitely look forward to seeing you around and talking to you more and seeing you again on the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. you. Stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for watching the show. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share and click that little bell to make sure you know when our next show is uploaded. And until next time, you're watching Meet the Pressers. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers.